Oh, this is it. Here she goes. She's going to do it. <laughs> She's, it's you really... You did it. You watched it. It's literally me. This is how I feel. So many holes. Do it. Throw the grenade. Oh, no. It's a bazooka. <laughs> but, but, yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> This I didn't understand why the robot has to be separate from the frame sometimes. He used to get. I'll be back. Oh. Incredible. I'll be back. Incredible. Her overitness through this whole movie is incredible. I love her. She's really Mackenzie. She was in. um, Mackenzie Davis. Also. As the beautiful woman. As a hooker who goes in the body of hologram. Right, right. Remember, let's talk about Gabriel Luna and what has he been in? I don't know, but he's He was born in on December 5th, 1982 in Austin, Texas. Younger than me. He's an actor and producer. Temple Grandin was incredible. I really cried in it. Really? But look at Gabriel Luna's incredible, freckled, beautiful face. You think those are freckles? Yeah. What do you think those Uh, are? I thought it was dirt. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's sit down. I'll be back. I'll be back. The other one I really like is she goes, and then I drink all day until I black out. <laughs> that was another line that she. I really relate to. Things were sad for her version of Sarah uh, Connor. Connor. So, and they like do a whole CGI moment of her son getting shot. Yes, like this whole like. I. It's kind of because that's not in unbelievable. Any of them. That they can now just make a movie with people from the past. Like, mm-hmm. why not just make a Betty Davis movie or whatever? Oh, my God. Yeah. Can you imagine if you did a Betty Davis movie with me? Or it's like, hey, you. And I was like, hey, You'll you. You'll be the voice of, and the bot. They'll put you in a green unitard with, <laughs> with spots points. on it. Uh-huh. With a bunch of, like, dots on it. And then they'll it. just make you Betty Davis. Yeah. It could really happen. Um, should we sing this song? What's going on with dance and stuff? What's happening with dance and things? What's going on? What's happening? What's going on with dance and stuff? Well, you know, the weather doesn't suck. It's gorging. It is today. really pleasant. I went out in a t-shirt. Yeah. Um, I didn't finish watching. We were ladies and another we were watching Terminator Dark Fate. I didn't finish watching it, but you didn't watch Portrait of a Lady on Fire yet, which is why this episode's going to be incredibly short. Because that was well, our plan. Well, you don't know. You never know. We do have questions from Bobby. Okay. So the, the weekly segment of questions from Bobby. I, I don't just even really reply feel to like him. digging my heels in about this portrait of a lady on fire. You I'm know, really if, sorry. If I don't. I just don't even. I feel like if people haven't seen it yet, it's like what's I'm going to go. With you? I may even go tonight. I, I sent you a link to watch it. I don't want to watch it on a computer. I want to watch it on the big screen magic. I want to see the stitches in the dresses. Oh my you know? god. The- the clothes. It is so. While I didn't see Whittle Women, I am absolutely oh. sure it is better in like a hundred million ways. What better than, than oh, Whittle Women? It just is. I get it. It's, I get it. It is. It's just a better movie. But Little um, Women was a real pleasure to look at. I know you. You cried over those scenes. I know. And I saw Emma <laughs> yesterday, and also that's a real costume movie. It is, and it's I haven't f- even seen the movie yet, and I know I'm Mia Goth in it. I'm absolutely the one who just turns and is like, hmm. You're not her mm. in this movie. She mm. plays the Brittany Murph. What's her name? Remember Brittany from Clueless? Yeah. That'd be like probably what I'd play in things now. You think I'm some sort of like arch mean girl? Yeah. Like oh. in Clueless, you would have been the Stacey Dash character. I don't remember her. She was the black friend. Oh, was she, was she, is she like really? She intense? was very matter of fact. Oh, okay. I think that's you. 
Oh, I might be the Stacey Dash. And she doesn't know how to drive. I guess that's me. Uh, that's literally you. That's me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm kind of not in those movies. I'm in like a movie called Now Voyager with Betty Davis. You're the redheading um, clueless. Is she mean? Yeah. Okay. But no, no, no. Mia Goth in, in um, Emma is... I'm obsessed with Mia Goth. very sweet and kind of a dodo brain. Her acting chops are really good. Shh. You know who's really a good actor? No. And I think I have... Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah. Really? Yeah. How did we do that? So, it's a trope on this So podcast. Jeremy has been like putting on random movies. Oh my God, Reed, have you seen Heartburn? Wow, Jeremy just jumped right on in, right on in, ladies and another. She With, is excited. With um, Meryl Streep and Jack Nicholson? Yeah. yeah. Catherine O'Hara. It's so great. It's a really good film. I know, and it's so New York. And so strange. I feel like it might be, um, what's her name's best film? Nora Ephron. Yeah, I think it's her best screenplay because it. Well, it's it, her story. It's her story. Yeah. Wow, did she make a key lime pie and slap it into her husband's face? One can only assume. I mean, the part of them in bed eating carbonara is heaven, right? I was it's asleep through that Nancy part. Meyers, like trope. Yeah, she loves like middle-aged people eating rich food after sex. Mm, I mean, the part, but also the magical realism of. When she watches, she's watching a TV show like Mystery Theater or something, and the host is like, starts talking about her life. She's watching TV and kind of like in a fugue state, eating like something out of a pot. Uh huh. And she's crying, and he's like, and then her teeny tiny children and her were all alone. You know, it says something like that. And then her dad comes in, who's incredible, who just storms through the apartment, kind of not doing anything. And he's like, She's like, mom wasn't great. And I was like, well, let's be a Frank. Have I wasn't great either. Have you ever seen an apartment that big? It's in, well, it's in the Dakota. It's uh-huh. enormous. I have been in apartments in New York. It was yes, so many. Reed, you oh, have. I have. Absolutely. There's, that's, that's the kind of apartment she had. Yeah. There was some article about that. In the, Nora? In the, in the Ansonia? Yes. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Incredible. And then Rosie O'Donnell moved into that building and they were neighbors. Incredible. And Rosie O'Donnell became a mentor to her gay son. Wow. Yeah. And she was also a mentor to Parker. Posey? Mm-hmm. Nora? Yeah, because oh, of you've, you've Got, got mail. mail. Yeah, and they became friends, and Nora was very so nice. mentory for her that. as well. I know. It is really nice. Um, uh, that movie's really good. Heartburn's really good. Yeah. Um, and then Jeremy put on this movie, which I didn't, I didn't really watch either of these films, to be clear. I watched the last 20 minutes, really, of Heartburn. I knew when she was making the key lime pie, I was like, she's going to slap that in his face. Um, but it was okay. Uh, and heartburn. Yeah, I have a question. It's related slash not related. But on the Upper West Side, there's like outside the apartment building, there's kind of like that corner. And then there's another movie where Alice and Janney gets hit by a bus on that corner. Does she get killed? And then the, re- uh-huh, the rest of the movie is about this girl who's dealing with the guilt of having kind of caused that accident. I do not know that movie. That's incredible. What a vague description of a film. It's a real movie. It is very good. We'll, we'll figure it out later. It's a comma tragedy? It's not a comma. Oh, it's just tragedy? It's full trage. Remember in Red Sparrow when um, Mary Louise Parker gets uh, Amazing. That hit was by, comma. Hit by that van. This is not that. Oof. This is not That's that. crazy. She's watching Alice and Janney bleed out. Oh. <gasps> Like, you see her, she's like, why did you kill me? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. Um, Anyways, Gwyneth. That Jeremy coffee, put this movie. What was in there? 
Something so creamy. Um, oat milk. It really did. Had, you like that? Has that like tongue coating buttery thing? Well, that, like, I put a lot of oat milk in it for you. So Jeremy put on this movie called Valentino. It's called Moonlight and Valentino. Um, with uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, mm-hmm. Kathleen Turner, Turner, Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, Bon Jovi. The posters are coming to me. And Elizabeth Perkins. And Elizabeth Perkins. Yes, I've Elizabeth never seen Perkins it. plays Gwyneth's sister. Gwyneth um, smokes through the entire movie. Bon Jovi's like a painter. Uh huh. House painter. Walls. I have seen this, uh-huh. but it's it's like a. I saw it on cable TV. I at your mother's. Yes, like and I shed. don't remember it, but I do remember Bon Jovi was topless. Was I he? don't remember when he, if he gets topless because there's another movie Bon Jovi's going to do, I believe, around this time that I might be making up called Something in Roses, but I could be making it up. Bed of Roses? Uh-huh. Christian Slater. Oh. Christian Slater. Yeah. Oof. And the other three name women from Remember Benny Christian and Christian Slater in that gay porn movie? Uh-huh. King Cobra? King Cobra King. He was incredible on that. He was good. Yeah, Christian Slater's What's great. What's the other three name women from Benny and June? Oh, yeah. Um, Mary, Mary Stewart Masterson. Masterson. Yeah. She's My Bed of Roses. Friend. She's Bed of Roses. With Christian Slater. Yeah. Anyways, go on. Um, Moonlight and Valentino. Gwyneth Paltrow is incredible. I she mean, is, how many times she, do I have to say it for the last five years? Well, look, you just had to keep saying it. I've always had a resentment about Shakespeare in Love. Because that year was Hillary and Jackie. And that I understand. award should have gone to Emily... Watson. Watts. Watson. Watson, okay. Mm-hmm. I know it's hard because there's Emma... Watson, Watson, yeah, who's, and it, who's I, trash it, garbage Hermione, right? But then there's Emily, who's, who's incredible, who's truly one of the the greatest, greatest living actresses. actresses. Yeah, and her. Have you seen Hillary and Jackie? Oh yeah, C- couldn't like, like Rachel Griffiths also amazing. That is her name, isn't it? The sister. Yeah, the that movie in and of itself is incredible. With Even its, whoever the guy is who plays Daniel Barenboim is amazing. It's that movie is. Incredible! It's it's up there in one of my like top twenty. It's a good one. Um, and she should have won. But is you know, that the movie where Rachel Griffiths is in the car when she finds out her sisters died, and she just stops in the middle of the road in Europe and gets out? I have. It's like I could start crying about this movie. <laughs> there's I really there's a few movies I've sobbed that hard in, and part of it was this. I don't want to ruin it for you who haven't seen it, but like the it's kind of trick. Tr- literally a true story. Right. But, the, <laughs> but, right. But it's, there's a trick in the movie, you know, where it's like, whatever, I'm just going to say it. People can watch it. It is you 20 think, years old. <laughs> you think you're watching, you know, you're watching this movie and you're like, oh, wow, she's really awful. And then all of a sudden the movie s- stops and starts over and you see it from someone else's perspective. Right. And I have chills on the left side of my body about it. Like the way this, and just this, movie about these sisters and their competition and their life and then the demise of one of them through MS who's gonna not be able to play anymore and Emily remember when she's sitting trying to play in this empty apartment she's alone at this point and she can't Mm. and you just watch her cry Mm. in this empty apartment and it was like I can't it was incredible anyhow so but you know as we know the Oscars are trash and they you know didn't 
even mentioned the best movie this past year, which is Portrait of a Lady on Fire. So, you know, whatever. But here's the thing. Portrait of a Lady on Fire is in theaters now. But it came out in time. We went over this last last episode. Um, anyhow, so... Here, wait, wait, wait. Gwyneth Paltrow Gwyneth. smokes her way through this movie. She's I was... always smoking. And she's... She does this scene where, with the woman who plays her sister, it's just not that great, so I can't keep remembering, Elizabeth Perkins, where she, she has to get naked and be like, am I okay? Do I look okay? She's never looked at her body. And it's was such a precursor. The acting she did, I was like, Claire Danes. They looked exact. She looks exactly the same and does exactly things that you'll watch Claire do later. Mm. And then it, it got me thinking, and I'm sure this has happened. They've been in a movie together, right? Claire and Gwyneth? Uh-huh. Hmm. It seems logical, like a sister's kind of moment, but I don't know. I don't know. Are you telling me a fact or are you asking no, me a question? Know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't Because Maybe they're too similar. And then I think about Gwyneth and I think about Goop and I'm just here for her now. She's a, Well, here's the thing. I really believe she was primed to be like the Meryl Streep of her generation. And then, sure. but she didn't. She wasn't interested or ambitious enough because she came from it. Mm. Whereas Meryl, like, like, do this Wes Anderson. Meryl was self-made and was really like, I'm going to be famous. And Gwyneth was like, oh, they gave me an Oscar. I know. I also, (laughs) I also remember another was that when I have just I read this article with her. But you know, interviews are tough. Part of the Harvey Weinstein saga, right? Gwyneth. Oh, did she stop Uh, getting parts because of him? It's possible. Possible. Yeah. Ugh, gross. Anyhow. But she, I also remember reading an interview where they were like, you know, do you, oh, it was, I was on the late show where they're like, you know, dad, Bruce Paltrow, mom, Blythe Danner. Blythe Danner, any luck here? And she said, luck, I get up at 5 a.m. to go get in hair and makeup to shoot for 12 hours a day. I wouldn't really call that luck. And I was like, well, yeah, you know what I mean, I mean, she wouldn't have arrived where she arrived, but like, right. it's clear that she works hard like she works hard she and she's an incredible excellent actress she's incredible she's really really good i'm here for her and i'm here for goop i've been doing my vim hof breathing Have exercises you. and taking cold showers do you feel better well i don't know do you have more endurance i don't feel cold like i used to feel cold all the time do you hear that everybody and now i'm kind of like i'm all right i feel a little sturdier perhaps. yeah I'm really, I also, Jeremy cannot stand him. Can't stand his voice. Can't stand. Vim Hoff. Uh, can't he's stand. He's horrible. I adore him. Oh, he's horrible. I, I would absolutely go and study with him and be like, I believe everything you're he's saying. I'll do it all. He is not. I, that's what it feels like. Hmm. <laughs> well, I want him to be my dad. <laughs> <laughs> Look, don't get it twisted. If Vim Hoff wanted to kiss me, I'd say yes. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. He's, he, and he's no. so like, it's life. Breathe it in. And I'm like, you know, taking a drag of a cigarette, being like, cool. I mean, he he was attractive, an attractive sort of man as a, as a young. He's attractive person. now, for some. Um, for some, yeah. Well, his endurance, what have you. I just really like that he's like, don't push yourself, but push yourself. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Emma in the movie Emma does a really mean thing at one point that made it's me book. want to be less mean. Did you never read the book? I feel no. like it's a you've never read it. Have it's you ever like read a, a Jane Austen book? No. Because you are a Jane Austen book. You know? <laughs> it's like you don't need to read it because you literally 
are it. I read like I don't I need read, to read um, Jane Bowles because I am Jane. I read Bowles. it, you know, in Emily Bronte. I read the sure, sure. Jane well, Eyre. that's our Ven, really. Darkness. We, we we mix at Wuthering Heights. I mean, watching Emma. What was like, that? What's that? You mean the with her friend? No, she's at a picnic, and then she says something really nasty to like this auntie kind of person mm-hmm. who's very annoying. Mm-hmm. But she says something sort of completely dismantling to this person. Mm-hmm. And this person is inherently kind. They're mm. just annoying. Mm-hmm. And, and Gwyneth is just you... like, it's like how you never shut up, basically, to her. Oh, you're talking about with Gwyneth, not the one you just No, saw. no, it is. Okay, I'm, right. I said Gwyneth, but I meant that girl with the crazy face. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was so heartbreaking. Like, I wept because this woman, this actress's reaction was so unbelievable. Mm. Like, how hurt she was. Yeah. She was just like, and I was like, wow, can't be that mean to people. Well, you could work on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's sort of an inherent nature of yours. So it'll be an interesting thing to see if you can kind of catch. Yeah. And it's this thing, too, where... I don't quite know that you mean it mean. No, sometimes it's funny, but it's mean. Yeah, but also sometimes I don't know that you're saying it with malice. I think you might just be like, well, that's what it is. You're dumb. You know, like... <laughs> I wouldn't you ever tell someone they're dumb. Um, No. I'm too sensitive about that. Being dumb myself. <laughs> no. Well, I've definitely experienced some things where it's like, yeah, but but kind of like that. Where you're like... Well, that's dumb. You're dumb. You know, but in this way where you think people will laugh with you, but it, it can feel a little stingy. Uh, it's all right. You grew up in New York and your mom also really calls it like it is. I do come from a family of people who get themselves in trouble in that way. Really? Jane. Aunt Jane. Aunt Jane. Really? Yeah, I think she like, you know, struggled with work from time to time for really uh, just, putting people in their place right. on movie sets. Good for her. Yeah, you know, I gotta say, like, there's so much entitlement flying around there. It's just a real... She she told me a story of how some grip on a movie set or TV show set came up to her one day and started complaining about the craft services. Uh-huh. And this was a movie where they had, like... Lobster. Everything. Yeah. Uh-huh. Everything. Like, right. multiple venues yeah, for yeah. food. Yeah. And she just, as the guy was complaining, she kept going, what? <laughs> as if she couldn't hear him. She'd be like... <laughs> What? That's good. And then at a certain point, she was just like, oh, I'm so sorry. I couldn't hear you over the sizzle of the omelet bar. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yay. That's good. I think that's good. I think that's great. I'm here for that. That's, you know, more of that. You know, what about like just, I mean... And then there's like real positive ways about it, right? That we're in it right now. Like Elizabeth Warren Unleashed. Like, you oh know, my God. no holds bars. It's really like, you know what? Oh. I just, but it's hard. Now that I don't I've, actually like Democrats being horrible to each other. I think it's, it's not productive. There's a story on the daily right now about this union in Las Vegas. that's very powerful. And they worked for six years in a strike to get incredible health insurance, uh-huh. the culinary union. And they're like, we can't elect Bernie because he'll take away our, private health insurance and we'll have to have socialized health insurance. And they are basically acting as a kind, I don't know how to say this, but they're like, they're being very bad in a way, Mm. trying to manipulate all of their members to like vote in a certain way. 
You're like, that's not how this system should work. Right. Anyways, I don't. That's how it works. And Bernie, you know, got like 50% of Nevada, so it's fine. Okay. Everything's okay. Jeremy says, well, I mean, it's like okay and not okay. I mean, I also. I think everyone fighting to make their point is really important. And it's something that like gets Democrats in trouble all the time. where Everyone's trying to like be nice. I guess, and then it all falls apart. In my mind right now, it's just like such a war on Trump that it's hard to see the people on one side fighting amongst each other. But I guess that will end soon. It will, and then it's gonna have to. It's gonna be a real like dig in. Yeah, I'm here for the war on Trump. It's just a little hard to see mm-hmm. like p- people with more reasonable values fighting amongst each other. But that's how that's how teams get strong. Get strong. Yeah. Oh, really? Someone's been doing their work over well, here. Jeremy, but really? Think about like <laughs> athletics or like the military. Like the strength is built on your own in your own team, right? And then you go to war with other people. Yeah. If you don't do, if you're all like, okay, let's just be have nice, picnics and relax over here. That's all I want to know. Do. It's part of like the cheer <laughs> conversation oh, too. I mean, right? You know, talk right, about talk right, about that right. swapping in and out. Right. Um. Monica. Monica. With her MBAs. <laughs> it's a, uh, yeah, I have, I, we can get back to cheer in a moment. Did you but, see those yeah. photos of her with her hand on Morgan's puss? Excuse me? <laughs> they what were like, are you talking po- they about? were like in a step and repeat for some show, Ellen no. or whatever, or like the awesome, I don't know. They were somewhere in clothes and. Somewhere and in clothes. They were well, no, so. in clothes, fancy clothes. Oh, and then. Huh? Monica was like literally had her hand like right in front of Morgan, like on her crotch, like being not like she didn't mean to do that, but it just is what it was. And I was like, that's right. I don't understand. For we'll what find the was Monica? I mean, was Morgan wearing a sheer dress? She was wearing a gown or something. Uh huh. And Monica just wanted to like make contact, you know? Oh, yeah. She's so she obsessed with Morgan. Morgan is, I think, my favorite favorite You're right obsessed that's with the one i'm yeah. obsessed well because it's we're like Drama. someone has to adopt her now wait a second i wanted to look at um questions from bobby for a second i don't think they're cheer related but oh okay we're gonna take a break and we'll come back Okay, hi, oh, ladies welcome. Hi, welcome. Hi, Lisa. We're here. Hi, we're here. It's okay, Reed so. And Jack. Yeah, you need to go to iTunes. Have you heard of iTunes? Go there. It's and we need a, you to rate. What would you call it? Comment. It's a storage thing for music and sound. <laughs> you're going to go to iTunes and you're going to go to Dance and Stuff podcast. And rate and comment. And you also have to subscribe, absolutely. And subscribe. And because the more comments we get, the more listeners we get, and then the more people you can talk about this podcast with. Uh, also, also, don't forget that we are still on YouTube. We have a bunch of videos we made. Go check them out. And not also, only made, you can also watch videos we like. Yeah, that's true. You can also watch videos that we like. Also, uh, we have a Patreon. Please consider supporting us. And um, and I would say, here's your my recommendation. Knowing the demographic of our supporters, uh-huh. cap it off at five. Don't think that you need to give us any more than $5, because if all of you gave us $5, we would build the Dance and Stuff Center for Podcast Education Upstate. Tea, so honey, tea. this is basically our Kickstarter, like Marina Abramovic. Except we'll follow through. Thank yous. Okay, so. so. We have a question from Bobby. 
Uh-huh. So this is our question from Bobby this week, which starts <laughs> out with a kind of comment. The dance okay. world seems to be quiet these days. However, there is a f- new dynamic that seems to be taking off. Some artistic directors are trying to be more friendly approach to their director to artist relationships. Maybe it's because I'm older and have more experience and I've worked with a variety of directors, but I think directors should just be directors and lead respectfully. Leading with the idea of friendship or family creates a false narrative, in my opinion. What do you think? How does Jack conduct himself as a creative leader? Mm. Um, and then, well, so we'll talk about that. But then another mm-hmm. question is, are you excited for your upcoming premiere coming to, that's okay. No. Okay. We'll talk about that later. Anyways. So you can speak on that. I mean, I thought that was hilarious. Cause... Well, I mean, cause I'm not really an artistic director. I'm a maker. Right. So, and the way that I make my work is in process. Uh, so while I'll be, I, I always also feel so grateful or when people were working with me because there was very little money. Um, uh, it was clearly not jobs about uh, money and fame. So that people were up for and excited to spend time with me around uh, my vision made me feel always intensely grateful to have them in the room. So I think I all, and having been a performer myself and having worked with some people who I found to be abusive. I never wanted that dynamic in the room. Mm. I always wanted the opposite of that dynamic. Mm. As well as I worked with people who were super self-serious and seemed to think that what they were doing was, you know, almost like brain surgery or akin to something so just lethally important that really always would drain the energy of the room and kind of not make good work. Yeah. I found it to make really sort of indulgent... um, work and uh so i i definitely create a a zone of i think where people feel very supported very held in a in a space where they could do anything where they could say anything uh allow them i mean there's so many things in rehearsal that have someone has done as a I feel you and I have made pieces where you've done something and I've been like, oh, that has to stay in. That's right. been like a joke or well, something. Well, there's not like a pressure in your in your rehearsals in terms of time because often like an enormous part of the time is just taken up in conversation. Right. And not like in conversation about the work, just in conversation with each other about our lives. Well, and what I've wanted and part of what I always wanted from that was to create a sense of intimacy with the mm-hmm. company so that if, when you would watch the work it would feel that these people had that this, whatever it is you're watching and had been going on for a really long time. Yeah. And that there's some real strange depth to these relationships that you may or may not fully know, but want to know. And I think I was so the first person who really enchanted me into that was Terry O'Connor. I mean, seeing frozen mommy and seeing these performers interact with each other in a way that felt really different for me than Pina or other sort of, I I guess, more famous forms of dance Mm -hmm. theater where it felt like there was this real connection with the performers that uh, really led 
me in. It made it made me want to watch them and find out what they were doing. When there's more people and there has to be more infrastructure and like more right. of like a company environment, then I think it is important that like the leadership be somewhat more like removed personally from the dancers. Because I've worked with directors like when I was in the Alberta Ballet with someone who so desperately wanted to have personal friendships with the dancers and it was totally inappropriate and right. went totally awry. It was that the artistic director or the choreographer? <clears throat> he was both. He was the artistic director and made many of the dances. Uh-huh. I mean, I guess that the sort of where I would see that, where I would see that more is, yes, in a larger company format, especially one that is um, with with that many people, where I think it would be really hard to have everyone feel cared for. Right. Once it starts to tip into like 20, mm-hmm. you know, and above, which any ballet company, of course, is going to, that's when, if you're being friends with people, it might be very specific to the principals, the soloists, or whoever mm-hmm. you is your Morgan, mm-hmm. to speak of mm-hmm. sort of how the Monica might work out in a situation the like favorites. that. Right. And that feels, in this other way, sort of more of the same sort of boundary that I think needs to happen inside of teaching or where it's, you're giving people this form, you're asking them to push themselves, Mm -hmm. but if it starts getting into friendship and favoritism, then, then they also can slack off and all sorts of things that I think could become, that could go awry and something like that. Yeah. Anyways, that was the answer to Bobby's question of the week. And I think we answered it. I think it was good. Artistic directors of companies need to not have personal friendships with their dancers. I think, it doesn't I, work. I, I, I think that ends up becoming pretty hard. Yeah, I, Bobby agrees. Though I can really understand wanting to have that. Yes, of course. And, but that is, that's a level of intimacy that would need to happen with a more intimate company. Right. I mean... Whatever. Peter Martin certainly was cultivating an environment of friendship with certain kinds of dancers in that company, and it didn't work out. Yeah, but that's because it was also not just cultivating ideas of friendship. Right. And it was a, it was a lot of other things I, that I would not term friendship. No. I saw a show the other day. This is interesting. That initially, like the first half hour, I was like, oh, I'm going to recommend this to Jack and Jeremy. They should go see this. And then I was like, if I can't leave soon, I'm going to kill myself. Do you feel you can say what it was? Or would actually, you rather not? I won't. Okay. It was from Europe. Mm. <clears throat> and it was a show that was like very kind of messy and beautiful. I think I know what it is. And it started with these inc- this incredible imagery mm. and... And it was kind of wild and a little bit improvisatory, but like the imagery of it and the energy of it was strong enough Mm -hmm. to carry it through the performance part of it. Mm -hmm. And then the performance part of it ended, which I was really here for. Like they Mm -hmm. did things that I was like, that's tremendous. Mm -hmm. The costuming was so smart. Mm -hmm. I think I know it is very, and with a sense of like kind of abandon. Yeah. Yeah. But, but also like, it had been very but rigorous. Yeah, rig- yeah. rigorously yeah. thought through yeah. because it was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then the show st- 
stopped mm. and start and started to become a PowerPoint presentation about the show. And I uh-huh. thought, oh, this is going to now devolve into irony or something. Uh-huh. And it didn't. Uh-huh. It literally was a lecture demonstration about their references. Uh-huh. And they wanted was, they wanted they all, wanted to prove the, all their research and dramaturgy that they'd done for something that was fun and had spectacle. As if they we were to make so sure, stupid right. that we hadn't already seen their references mm-hmm. or that we were, we cared enough mm-hmm. and were distrustful enough mm-hmm. to need to know every reference that mm-hmm. they'd used in the making of this work. Mm-hmm. Many of which felt very uh, tenuous at best where you're like, that's a reference for this dance. <laughs> sure, sure. I hardly. Okay. Yeah. And I was beside myself. Why didn't you leave? I was it, because of where I was. It wasn't a situation, unless I'm Yvonne Rayner, where right. I can say, excuse me, is this the end of the show? May I go? And were you seated? In, visibly. You were, uh, okay. Yes, right. quite visibly. Mm. It was so upsetting. Mm. So It was exactly the thing that I hate the most, which followed a thing that I like very much. And, and I and, and break that down. What is the thing people who listen to this podcast know? But what is the thing you hate <clears> the most? I hate people explaining their work to me mm. I hate on it. stage, <laughs> <laughs> and, unless they're on making stage. a joke of it. Right? Yeah. It's if, a, and also, if you absolutely need to share your references, mm-hmm. give give people the option of having a pamphlet at the end or whatever. Sure. Well, generally, that is where you put your dramaturgical footnotes, is what we used to call them back in my day. Um, and it can just be in the program. And they also seemed almost to be begrudgingly delivering this information as if they were like, the only way that we get funding is by giving this lecture demonstration after that show so that we're validated academically. Well, I think, and I think that brings up a really interesting point, um, and something that I, feel uh, I've certainly been attacked about is the use of pleasure and play and fun in performance and the way it is derided critically. And especially when you go into zones, especially if there's um, queerness and femininity. It was that. That's when those, that, that grouping gets attacked so hard critically by, um, just these um, femphobic misogynists, really. And it's a, uh, and so then there has to be this, uh, or it seems like then the rebuttal comes like, well, I will prove to you this thing where, you know, and I said, I said this when in the, when we did the AIDS World History Project, I quoted when um, Justin Bond called me after I got some nasty review and, uh, and she said, you know, if they don't take us seriously, why should we? Right. But I thought at that time, and I do feel that when I said, but I, but we want to be taken seriously. And play is a political act in a culture of disdain. And we couldn't be in more of that culture of watching this rise of this crazy right happen globally. It's not just in America that we're dealing with this right, uh, uh, neo-Nazi mm. misogyny, like racism, <clears throat> all of it kind of having its swing back. So I think it's unfortunate that artists don't feel that they can have that pleasure in play. Right. And I mean, I, particularly in New York and with a downtown audience, mm-hmm. I was like, you're wasting our time 
you're wasting our time. At a certain point, they said, at a, you know, we discovered at a certain point someone that none of you have heard of named Fred Herco. And I was like, whoops, we all have. Can we go? Yeah. This yeah. is insane. Literally made a piece about him. I was like, this is psychotic that right. this audience is being forced to listen to this. Well, and then that's also a really interesting. That's interesting to me, too, about European presentation and clearly the rift that's even going on there where they're like, oh, none of you here would have heard of this person when we just did a Fred Herco. Uh, ta- there were talks. There was the symposium. Josh Levy had that whole thing happen. I know. But even in when we did our show when we did Nightlight Bright Light, Josh Levy had organized that thing around that. And the person writing Fred Herco's biography was in town. I met with him. He was lecturing all over here. So that what's interesting inside of that is like, well, you did this research, but not about where you're coming, which is New York, which is where Fred Herco lived and worked. And um, many people have written about him and many of us have read about him and, and seen work that you haven't seen of him. I'm just like, keep it to yourself. Right. This is insane. It was such a waste of time. Well, it's a really, and it's a really, and to me, I find it a really interesting problem. Because it's, I'm, I can't, in hearing about this, and 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 I think, and and I didn't see the show because I heard about this element of it, um, and I was like, I can't, I'm not going to be able to stand that. And I feel for them though that they feel they need to do that inside of a funding structure that is also very different than America. We don't have funding structures here. Well, we have a very like good luck. Their show has toured for five years. So. Great. There you go. Shocking and <clears throat> part of it good. And and I and I think what is interesting if one even cared to read what uh has been written about it is it might be compelling to see who what critics really respond to that second act positively. Where they're like and it's and 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 then they've done wonderful research to buoy up this flimsy blah blah blah. You know, well, some people would prefer a TED talk to a, a performance. Hideous, or truly. Well, a lot of people. Well, because a lot of people want they they want you to have the proof in it. They want there to be this sort of like. Because they don't. There is no proof in art and performance. Thank you. I was just about to get there. You know, there's this great proof of what? Hi, honey. There's this great Oscar Wilde quote, which is all art is immoral. And I think we're still in this thing of of these uh, antique historians looking to like moralize this thing of which they're terribly immoral about, um, but want to pretend that they can loft it into something into the academy thereby framing it and saying this is its worth period Mm -hmm. instead of sorry queen art is mystery making art is feelings and fantasy storytelling and myth Mm -hmm. and um yeah, but people get freaked out and they're like, but how does it, but money. Well, it, it does feel like the full takeover of capitalism. Yes. It's like, okay, you need to, you know. Prove it. The products dimensions and uh, get a price tag on it and everything has to be right. clear and validated. Yeah. Anyways, that was the show I saw. I saw a really great show. Really? Last night. 
Which, well, and as Jeremy pointed out, anytime I see something where I don't want to kill myself after it, it's <laughs> it's like... Must have been good. It's a real feat. Um, Dustin Wells, who's the director for Boys Company that uh-huh. I'm uh, doing with Jeremy, directed a student production at Juilliard. Jeremy O'Harris. Jeremy O'Harris, yes, thank you. I feel like... Not Jeremy Jacob. Not my Jeremy, right. Um, Jeremy O'Harris, that Dustin is the director for Boys Company Presents, and uh, he said, come see... Uh, I'm doing this uh, adaptation, and Keith Radin adapted this Bulgakov um, play, Black Snow, uh, and come see it. And I, Bulgakov wrote Master Margarita. That's, I think, a more famous one. Never Anyhow, heard of it. it's fine. So, Russian stuff. So, uh, we go to Juilliard to see a play, which I haven't done since. Long time. I had friends in Ju- at Juilliard in, like, the late 90s. Mm. I remember going to see, like, Cherry Orchard because I had, like, friends from it. And we went, and his direction of it was so great. Mm. And I was really, uh, the just the speed, the pleasure of it, this, you know, and it was a student production. So the, the, some students were better than others. And, and well, I mean, also the Juilliard. The crop. Well, the Juilliard gamut's really extreme. You have some who, like, just got out of, out of like, interlocking. Uh-huh. And then some are like 36. Uh-huh. So it also is this really kind of interesting company in that way. Um, but his, it made me so excited to start working with him. I really, I, I, I love you, Dustin. And I'm, I'm really excited for us to start working together and more than we already have. And these workshops we've done. And, um, and it made me think of, uh, the tediousness of West Side Story uh-huh. and, um, <laughs> Like uh, this, this full Ben Brantley really didn't let them have it. Oh, he liked it. No, no, he, oh, he, he really did, let them. He have didn't it? give it to them. Do you know what I mean? Oh, he didn't dig in on them. No, he, no, he gave them a terrible review. Oh, okay. Letting them have it, I feel, is giving someone a terrible he didn't review. Let them get away with it. Right. He didn't. It was well. It was such a. I mean, what's interesting in terms of this play I watched last night, and it's familiar to um, some directors I've worked with and and my own ideas around you're in theater. We we're here. This is a device play both Mm -hmm. play that you are. Yes, you're a performer and you're going to have to get through these tasks and it's a play. So continue on with that. And it made me think of the sort of the weirdness then of West Side Story where you're being filmed, really be in it, but never believable, never, never feeling like it's actually happening no risk because there's these giant projections happening yeah. all the time and these he didn't like it yeah i but i do think he didn't he doesn't understand dance well enough to uh-huh. like have spoken really on the dances so he just was like no oh. but he liked america the america dance who choreographed that well anna Teresa, but in conjunction with sergio trujillo okay right right <clears throat> but he wasn't going for the Dances. Yeah, I was. I, I he explained. You know, his explanations were fine. Yeah, I I didn't read his review. It was more sort of a thing of if you don't like theater or you hate it, how do you want to deal with that? And which I guess was sort of what I was curious in the show. Is like, do you do you kind of hate theater? Do you want to make a movie? Uh, do you not trust what theater can do? Yeah, why doesn't Evo Van Hove make movies? You should, should. I hope. I mean, maybe that's what he. You should do. I mean, and you've heard it here. Like, I have love. His opening night is still one of the best things I've ever seen in what? my life. It's odd. Yeah. I don't think if you make theater like that, <clears throat> that you, you don't 
care about theater or movies. Mm. Like I think about Bergman who did a lot of, he had a, you know, stage company yeah. as well. Uh, yeah. Like he knew what the theater could do and he knew what movies could do. Right. Yeah. And he made them. You know, I, you know what I don't like? What? Multimedia. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I guess I'm not really I don't, either. I don't like when people say like immersive this, immersive that. I'm mm. like, oh, just because you think everyone is too stupid or too bored to actually sit through something real. Right. I Though think, I will. Well, it's also, I think that people fail. There's something of like shiny objects yeah. and not yeah. actually doing the work of making a good show with yeah. the multimedia. If you're going to yeah. like bring in, you know, 30 foot tall video projections. You're going to have yeah. to figure out how to actually do that. Well, I was at a, one of the Anthony Roth Costanzo dinners recently. And this question was posed like how, what is, how can we move opera into the 21st century in a way that will like actually be engaging and appropriate for a modern audience, blah, blah, blah. And someone was really like, you have to like bring everything in. There has to be video and there has, you have to bring for a modern audience. And I was like, no, that's actually just like diluting the power of opera, which act is good. Like if you look at old opera and the content, it's tremendous. The amount of rigor and the product is so incredible. Mm. The problem is that really good operas need to be written and the audience is not going to change, quite frankly. Right. Like old rich people saw opera in the past and old rich people are going to see opera now. Right. And you think that by totally ruining the art form through multimedia and immersion or whatever, you're going to like make it better. No, you're going to bring in some like fashion hipster crowd and make it worse. It's going to be a bad, ugly, stupid product. You mean the people making are the fashion hipster crowd, not the people. No, no. I think the fashion hipster crowd are the people who will go, go, uh they will take pictures of it. They'll put it on their Instagram and they will say, this is so cool. Isn't this cool? Well, there's also that thing that, you know, I think we started to see not long ago where it's in performance where it's made for Instagram. Like the event itself is really secondary. The it, the product, whether the person knows it or not, is being made for Instagram. And right. um, so that it can jettison out and hopefully get like 20,000 views in probably an <laughs> under a minute clip. But then that can propel someone to like, uh, you know, getting a a thing in the MoMA or whatever. It's a, it's a kind of, it is this thing around capitalism and glitz and all of that, which I think is, I know I've talked about it before and it's booming, but when Peter Brook wrote, Peter Brook wrote The Empty Space, this idea of like, well, what can theater do that film can't? Hmm. And it's this idea of play and magic that is actually about these human live connections happening on stage. Right. Everyone's so accustomed mm-hmm. to like millions of edits and like lights, camera action that like, can we, you as young people need to be forced to sit in a chair and look at one thing for a while. And I don't think that that's unreasonable. And I think that's a good training for your life. Well, and so, when you see portrait of a lady on fire, the level of restraint, the level of, like not throwing a million and one object at you to, uh, it's just, wow. I incredible. I mean, and speaking of Bergman, it's interesting to think of that as well, of someone who in their filmmaking made such, I've never seen a Bergman play, so I can't speak to that, but who made such eloquent and 
rigorous and uh, specific choices. And then I can only imagine what the theater part would have been like. Anyhow, anyway, so one of the best shows that I saw recently mm. was that I was sitting in the audience in the orchestra at State Theater waiting for Justin's rehearsal to start. And while I was waiting for rehearsal, for rehearsal, uh-huh. uh, Sarah Mearns and Adrian Danchig Waring were doing a run through of the second movement of NG Major, which is a Robbins ballet, while crew people were changing over light schemes behind them. In the back. So very quietly to like this piano, um, the word has left my mind, but basically like piano breakdown of this Ravel second movement of this piano concerto, which is very long. It's like a 10 to 15 minute section. They just quietly rehearse this dance, which is so amazing. And that was the best show I saw recently. That sounds incredible. Wonderful. And, you know, and then if we were to break that down... There's just some real key things in that that I actually think will heal people. Intimacy, mystery, uh, a sense of um, magic in reality, Mm -hmm. uh, a dualism of labor. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on, people. It was so beautiful. Read a book, but don't put it on stage. You can find out those things of what <laughs> could really work in shows by by reading it. Some things, but you don't need to. You know, is it for the is it a for the stage or is it for yeah. the page, honey? Anyways, go to City Ballet this week to see in G Major and the new Justin Peck that we designed. Well, I want to see it the way you just said, though. Oh my! Like, it was let me get, Yeah, yeah. I, really I can't believe bring it. Bring a tear to my eye just uh, hearing about it. Yeah. Anyways. Oh, that's right. And you have your Justin Peck premiere. It'll, it'll be out by the time people hear this. It's on the same program as NG Major. Great. So you can see it all at once. Mm, great. I don't know what else is on the show, but I'll find out soon. There was something else. Oh, yeah. Do you feel anxious about the coronavirus? No. Because okay. even if I got it, I'd live. You think? Yep. Why? Most people don't die. Right. And so we're strong. Uh-huh. We'd be fine. We'd be fine. Okay. Just like getting the flu. Mm-hmm. I did like Austin Goodwin put on his Instagram like this like sour facing and then he added like a hundred different texts to it. And one of them was like, this is my face finding out that exhaustion is one of the symptoms of coronavirus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, uh-huh. mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I was feeling very, you know, okay, sure, whatever. And then a friend of mine. Um, it was puppy. I'm going to babysit as a trial run. Practice. For, uh-huh, exactly. It's like having one of like an egg, an egg with a face drawn on it to practice being a parent. <laughs> we did that as kids, didn't we? I didn't. But didn't we? I saw it on TV. What like a t- TV high school? TV high school where you like team up as parents and you have to take care of an egg and not break it. Did someone drop it? I don't know. I think we had an episode of Strangers of the Candy. Strangers of the Candy where that sounds right. Her and Little Nut have to take care of a baby and she gets like a mean, she becomes, she becomes like a mean, really mean alcoholic abusive yeah, yeah, husband. Yeah. <laughs> like this little, like takes Tammy Little Nick to a motel. She's like, you're going to stay in here. She goes, ah, oh, Tamala, I'll never hurt you. Like <laughs> yeah, it is something like that. I'll never hurt you. Um, uh, so, and I was found, and then she, she, you know, it's not too hard to stoke the flames of my hypochondria. And she was like, 
are you worried about it? And I was like, no. And she's like, well, I mean, Iran, Italy, South Korea. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, you know, now we can't track where it's coming from. It's so it is really, <clears throat> it is really pandemic. And I was like, who is this? It's a friend of mine. I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not going to do call out culture on this. Uh-huh. And, um, uh, and then I just couldn't help myself and I opened the news and I thought about, did you ever see Contagion with Gwyneth Paltrow? Um, what an exceptional start to a movie. That's one where she dies instantly. Pretty much. Yeah. She, like, Matt Damon is her husband. She like goes to a restaurant and shakes hands with someone and dies. Yeah. Um, this, uh, and Kate Winslet is like holed up in a hotel towards the end. I think she dies too. I don't know. I couldn't watch it because I was too afraid. So I only saw bits and pieces in the way that, like, I would have if someone told me about Saw or some movie. I was like, well, I'm not going to watch that. No. And then I maybe it's like, well, I'll just like watch like a clip and be like, oh, I'm not going to watch that. The beginning of Contagion, you know, it's just black. It's like just black and around you in the theater. I remember Josh Lubin Levy being like, you can't see it, and I was like, why? He's like, because the opening sound is around you in the theater of people coughing. Oh. And I was like, mm-mm. And then I think it opens, the first shot is the subway. Oh, wow. Mm-mm. This is your life. Mm-hmm. I can't handle it. I was like, should I just go upstate and, like, wait it out? We don't have it here. I ain't. Well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I might have it right now. I know this. that you have this swollen gland, and now you feel a head cold. It's it's a traditional cold. Mm-hmm. I remember one time... You had this kind of cough and like I saw you're like, hi, and give me a kiss in my mouth. Just like to, to say hi. Yeah, this is years ago. Was, we were on our way to meet your father for your birthday. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget that evening. And I was like, are you sick? And you're like, mm, a little bit. And we like had some cough and sniffles. And I got so sick after it. <laughs> like three weeks. It was something like for you it was like Teflon. But for me, like stuck in my system, uh-huh. like a thorny briar. Just you endless. asked it too, psychologically. I did like, not. Weed is making me sick. I did not. Um, did we answer all of Bobby's questions? Did Bobby ask us anything else about like food or anything? Um, I think he... he oh, okay, Bobby. Our, uh, did, you, did you hear about... Uh, the director of Alberta Ballet leaving. No, I did not, but good riddance. Um, I... Well, so we talked about performance. We talked about life. And, um... That's, movies. That's it. We talked about Bobby. Yeah, and, um, and ladies and another, don't forget to rate, subscribe, like, comment on iTunes. Yes, the comments are important. We need comments. Yeah. And I, I met someone at a lovely dinner at my friend Cassie and Jesse's this week um, named Kyle, who decided to listen to our podcast after I spoke to him. And he said, wow, you have so many comments. On iTunes? Yeah. Oh, well, so we, we need more. Because yeah. we, need, we need this to... Just, no, what he said I, is, oh, your reviews are so ni- kind. And I thought he was talking about how we review things on the pod. And mm-hmm. I thought, like, maybe. Uh, but now he meant the reviews of the show. That's nice. Well, whatever. Comment. And um, we love you. Bye. Bye.